With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast where I'm sure there's probably going to be a few home truths about Everton's squad after what was unfortunately a disappointing defeat in midweek. Everton were knocked out of the League Cup on penalties away to QPR after what was a pretty tepid and dire performance down at uh, Loftus Road or the Kian Prince Foundation Stadium, as it's actually called. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Jones, today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and Sam Carroll, where we'll discuss that. We'll go into James Rodriguez, of course, finally leaving Everton, and we'll talk about this weekend's upcoming fixture against Norwich. But, Preno, we have to start from the top and that QPR game. It was pretty pretty dire, wasn't it? But it, it, there was a certain sense of deja vu about it. It seems that almost every season we get this in the League Cup, don't we? It was horrible. Uh, it really was a, a horrible, horribly poor performance. I mean, last season we we mixed the team up quite significantly uh, in the early rounds. Was it you know sort of Fleet Woods, Salford, uh, but we're talking teams you know sort of lower down near the league pyramid, so you can maybe get away with it there. QPR are a decent championship side, and I think you just underlined you know sort of how lacking in depth the squad is and you also have to throw into the equation the fact that so many players are currently injured or unavailable at the moment which didn't help I mean, we were trying to name a team weren't we the other day of the game or the day before and we were really struggling to get 11 fit senior players so you got to take that into account as well but that notwithstanding it was it was a very very poor performance and the manager will have learned a lot about the qualities or lack of them of a number of players in the squad there were moments, uh, you know, Andros Townsend again, you know, so a goal and a great assist. Um, there's a little spell for a quarter of an hour in the second half where we looked, you know, so half decent. And I'm also struggling to understand why not more was made of that foul on Abdullah Decore. For me, it looked like a nailed on penalty. And, you know, so that changes the game then. And obviously, with no VAR there, we didn't get the penalty. Uh, you know, so eventually we go to penalties and we end up getting beat. But that would suggest that maybe we deserved something from the game, and ultimately we didn't. You know, you can't really, you know, sort of argue that we deserved to get anything more than we did. So it was flat. It was disappointing. The only positives you can take from it really is it laid bare in front of the manager exactly what he's dealing with. If he wasn't already aware, and the press conference he's just finished, he did seem, I don't know, typically uh, positive and, and typically realistic about the situation and speaking about the long term rather than the short term. I know that was in response to a question about Hamas, uh, but it was it was quite you know so reassuring to hear that. So all in all, it was it was very very disappointing and probably just on the lines that we're never going to win the league cup, are we? It's just one of those jinxed competitions for us, unfortunately. Well, I mean, Gav Preno thought about the strength of the lineup, and obviously, as we said in the pod. In the preview pod last well earlier this week, sorry, uh, you know the changes did need to be made, didn't they? After the Aston Villa game, and a few players needed to be given a chance. I thought when the team news came out on Tuesday that it was actually a pretty strong lineup from Everton, but 
it, it, it didn't prove that way in the end, did it? Yeah. When I hear people saying, oh, Everton disrespected the competition again and stuff like this, you know, well, the only disrespect of me sticker, all due respect, you know, to maybe majority of the academy players and stuff like that, all them players out there on, on, on Tuesday, you're all, you know, by and large, I think Premier League proven, as in like they played a lot of Premier League games. Um, you know, Davis, Gomez, you know, Rondon obviously is a, you know, he's Premier League proven, but he's unfit, isn't he? And I think Benitez has spoke about him today. So it wasn't a case of uh, disrespecting the conversation and putting like a massively weakened team out. The players you would expect to be knocking around the first team, really, in some respects, you know. Um, and so I don't think it was we, oh, we got because we fielded as a weakened line up. It, it was as Dave said that it was more players didn't turn up, did they? And, and it did show that <laughs> maybe numbers 14 to 25 in the squad aren't as strong as what they should be. And that was uh, that was laid bare. Having said that, even allowing for the fact that I thought QPR, they had a few good players, didn't they? Especially down the left, that chair and Willock mm. and uh, McCallum all looked like he could do a job in the Premier League, to be fair. Um, and um, I, you know, so they did have a, like a, a bit more quality than up top than what you would normally expect from a championship team. And he played in our weakness down the right. So, uh, even, but even allowing for that, we should have enough to win. And we just, we, we gets down to attitude, doesn't it? And, and commitment, those those questions again. Um, go to see Townsend again, uh Showing is is probably there or there about the first name on the on the team sheet uh, these mm. days. I mean, it was our performance was almost as dark as the, the keepy after lights. To be fair, which were I don't know whether you got it in the ground. It's, I don't think I've seen. It's like going back to the seventies, panel, wasn't it? It was the most poorly lit, poorly lit ground I've seen for about forty years. Um, <laughs> and our performance had its dark moments, like like the stadium floodlights. So it was. And once it goes to penalties, you know what's going to happen there. I don't really know. Is that there was AFC Stasso said, uh, Bradley said, and he's a six lower division penalty yeah. shoot had. How we've had, we've lost five of them, which is quite <laughs> staggering, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which for a lot of reasons is, uh, isn't great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Dave on this. Um, di- didn't disrespect the competition, but some players didn't say enough and, and do themselves justice with one or two exceptions. Mm. Well, I think Gav hits the nail on the head there, really, doesn't he, Sam? These players that were coming into the side, by and large, were on the fringe of the Everton squads. They haven't really got many chances to impress Rafa Benitez so far this season. This was a really big opportunity against the lower league side in what was, you know, still a competitive game to go out there and really prove, you know, this is why you this is why I'm still an Everton player. This is why you've started me in this game and far too few of them still up to that challenge, didn't they? Yeah, I think it's summed up in it by Gav saying that, you know, they had some good players and they look Premier League quality. Like, they're not Premier League quality. We just made them look Premier League quality by putting in a bit of a dire performance. You know, if they were listening to this, they should be embarrassed that, you know, we're even sitting here saying, people are look quite good, didn't they? You know, we should, any other, I know we're not a top six team, but that's what the aspiration we have is any other top sixteen nine times out of ten just goes there, wins that game, two nil, three one, whatever, professional job, gets it done. But I know there's been a lot of talk on social media and that about certain players, but I just now I'm starting to get worried. There's four or five players there. Some of them, 
you know, such as like John Joe Kenny, I think there's a mitigating circumstance maybe that if we'd have brought in a right back like we wanted to all summer, he probably would have got moved on. So, you know, I, I do in that respect feel slightly unfair, but he's still a player that's played quite a few times. Forever in the Premier League and in the Cup, he's had a load season at Shelter. You know, Tom Davies, Mason Holgate, Alex Awobi, Andre Gomez, massive opportunities for them and they just don't take them and it's difficult now because it's not the first time it's happened, it's not the second time it's happened, it's not even the third, fourth, fifth. There's 10, 11, 12, 15 games where they haven't performed to, to the level that I, I think that at some point, you know, they've all had points in their Everton careers where we thought they were going to be real, real top players for us. You know, Awobi started really well. Holgate had that great season, which he's never kind of lived up to. Tom Davies broke onto the onto the scene. Andre Gomez, really good on loan. I think he was struggling even before that, you know, serious injury had, which he did admittedly do brilliantly to come back from. So, as Gav said, I don't know, I don't want to be too negative about it, but 14 to 20 in the squad, I'm not even sure. I, I think it might be 12 to... I think anyone outside that strongest eleven for me, I'm I'm not sure whether they're the good enough to get us to where we want to be. I think they're probably good enough for us to finish tenth, eleventh, twelfth again, maybe. But I just don't see now. I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? We've lost two games. You, you might be feeling a little bit down, but for me right now, already this Norwich game feels really big, doesn't it? You know, if we lose that, God forbid, it's, it's difficult. But for me right now, that starting eleven on form could could maybe push for the top seven, top eight. I think with injuries, which we're already getting hit with, as we point out on the last podcast, I think we're in for another season of, uh, of mediocrity. So it, it is. I think it's been a sober week, hasn't it? Mm. I mean, Prano, I'm, I'm mindful of singling out individuals after what was, I think, in general, a poor team performance on yeah. Tuesday. But Sam's mentioned the likes of Alex Iwobi and Andre Gomez. They're... They're two players who, throughout our podcast so far this season, we've said, oh, they've had great cameo performances. They've looked really good. They look loads fitter. They look like they might finally be bringing the consistency to their performances. And again, it was just one of those. That's why they're so frustrating, isn't it? Those kind of performances where they can just... I I think both of them improved in the second half, but it was just so bland and passive from the pair of them, wasn't it? To me, it speaks volumes really about the character of the players. I mean, in a situation like that, you could argue they are both senior players. I mean, Andre Gomez certainly is. Alex Iwobi, despite his relative youth, is still you know a senior player with a lot of appearances under his belt. So in a game like that, they should be the ones going out onto that pitch as leaders to say, right, okay, we've got a few younger players around us here. I'm going to demand the ball. I'm going to you know sort of get on the ball and make things happen. And I'm going to be a leader. And we never saw that. It's almost like they can produce good cameo performances when surrounded by other good players, which they are when we have like, you know, a fully available first team out there. But when they are asked to do that, you know, sort of leadership role and lead, you know, sort of the other players around them, they seem incapable of doing it. And that's like really frustrating. And I know we've said many, many times on this part about the lack of leadership in the squad. We haven't got that many obvious leaders out there. And that's really important when you want to uh, you know, sort of be a successful team. To me, they just underlined that they aren't leaders really. And uh, you know, so you're only ever going to get, you know, so sort of good cameo performances from them. And, you know, Gomez, I was such a fan of his in that first half season, you know, before well, the first season that he was here before the injury, because he looked like that kind of player. And 
it's been going on for too long now since he'd come back from the injury to continue to use that as an excuse. I know I've given that as a suggestion on previous podcasts that maybe he's still feeling the after effects of that. But it, it's, it just won't wash anymore. You know, so unfortunately, you need players of their experience and their standing to go out there and grab the game by the scruff of the neck and say, OK, I'm going to make things happen. And neither of them did. And you know, the manager would have written us that as well. And having spoken very positively of Alex Iwobi all season, maybe you saw a slightly different side to him there. You know, they did improve a little bit in the second half, but not enough for my liking. You wanted to see an awful lot more from the pair of them in that game. Mm. Well, I mean, Gav, one player who I think did get brought into the team to impress, and I think he did, was Anthony Gordon on the opposite side to Andros yeah. Townsend. I think he showed a lot of qualities, which explained why Everton kept him around the squad this summer rather than send him out on loan again. Yeah, um, you, we spoke, I think, when we were talking about the team on Monday's pod about people going out there with something to prove and, you know... Uh, give Rafa's some something to think about and what we've basically said so far is the players we mentioned I didn't mm. um, but one one who did was, was Anthony Gordon uh, who worked really hard he was quite creative um, he probably with Townsend was maybe our man of the match I think to, to be fair thought he, mm. thought he had a decent game um, and I'm going to slightly contradict myself, but at the same time, I was saying about like QPR had a couple of good players who I think wouldn't come out look out of place in the in the Premier League. Is is I think that at the same time you're only playing against the Championship team. Um, but in terms of on the night and against that opponent and in that tie, he did as well as what you would want him to, and hopefully has given Benitez has something to think about. But it's a it's an enormous step up, isn't it? Playing Premier League week in week out against stronger, uh, more experienced players. But, yeah, he, he didn't do himself any harm. In fact, I think he did a pro- He probably did himself a lot of good amongst Everton fans, to mm. be fair, who've been critical of and doubted them over mm. the last you know, six months or so. So, yeah, fair play to Anthony Gordon. I thought he, were, he worked hard, which maybe a couple of others of his teammates didn't. Well, that's it. I mean, hard work is something that Rafa Benitez has really championed over course of his tenure so far isn't it Sam and you know Andy Gordon showed everything about that in his performance on Tuesday it was probably back end of the 2019-20 season where we really saw Gordon break into the team under Carlo as it was then and get a little bit of a run of games under his belt can you see something similar happening with Rafa this season or do you think that you know he's just going to be on the periphery for the majority it's difficult, isn't it? Because you play to keep your shirt, and at the moment, Gray and Townsend aren't doing anything to to lose that share. Charlton can operate out wide as well, so he probably is still, you know, fourth, fifth choice, depending on. And it would be a big decision from Rafa, you know, who has spoken highly of Owobi to put a thirty million pound player behind an academy player. But I was glad that it happened on in midweek. You know, I thought he showed balls as well to take, you know, to take a fifth penalty. A crucial fifth penalty, I thought was was quality. It was that proper scout attitude, wasn't it? That I really enjoyed from him. But I think you can get a little bit woody, can't you? Sometimes because he was brilliant when he broke in through the 18, then the 23s, that Liverpool game, and a few other. I think it was Leicester, wasn't it? I think got mm. an assist for a Charleston, and he was flying. And then, like what kind of often seems to happen at Everton, it was just I think Preston on paper was the right loan, but. For whatever reason with the managers and, and things like that didn't quite work out for him and 
did have that feeling coming into this season, especially when he stayed on deadline day. You know, is this going to be another thing where in two or three years down the line, we're like, what happened to Anthony Gordon style? So it was a nice reminder, wasn't it, of, of, his, of his talent. And he, he's got that kind of like raw, he just wants to pick the ball up, similar to, to Townsend in a way. He just wants to get the ball and get to that byline or beat a man and make something happen. Or, or it, It's very direct and very positive, which I also think Rafa wants. So not, I'm not too sure. I think it'll play out quite organically. I think he'll probably get chances in the FA Cup if, if we get a decent little run going there. And I think he will get chances in there. I think he's the perfect player if you drawing nil nil or losing the game one nil to to pull on against tired legs. Um but I think a real gauntlet now has been thrown thrown down specifically to Awobi to say, look at this, you know, maybe Awobi now might have designs on playing number ten, you know, with, with no hammers. We we don't have like an out and out number ten anymore. But you know the, there are players now who I think are seriously at risk of this season just being reduced to playing bit party in there until next summer where Rafa will probably you know he he was quite he seems from everything he said and, and everything that's been written he seemed quite single-minded in if he doesn't fancy someone he, he's happy to let them go as shown by Hammers and I think you know some of the names we've mentioned so far on the podcast they are for me at that risk of next summer Rafa just showing them the door and saying look if an offer comes in you can go because you're not doing it it'll probably depend on how much we have to spend but uh, yeah, I think someone like Gordon should should will probably be targeting himself maybe 12 to 18 months. I want to be a player who's getting considered to start almost every game. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Preno, Sam's neatly segued us into talking about James Rodriguez earlier this week. Haven't we spoken enough about him? <laughs> no, no, we he haven't. He doesn't play for us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, earlier this week, as you say, he moved to Qatar, moved to Al Rayyan in Qatar. Yeah. Uh, what do you even, what do you even say about it at this point? I mean, for me, it, it's a, it is a shame that a player of James Rodriguez's quality is. Yeah. Going off to playing guitar at only thirty years of age, yeah. but it was very, it was very clear that Everton just didn't want him here. <laughs> Over the course of the summer, the right offer came in, and eventually, yeah. and they let him go. It's, it's it's strange, isn't it? I mean, uh, it is very very frustrating, and it's very disappointing that you know we're not going to see a player of his quality at Goodison in front of fans. But equally, there are very very big question marks raised about him. Why is he going to Qatar at the age of thirty? when he could have gone to Porto and played Champions League football, um, does that indicate that, you know, that are motives at work? And I don't know, you know, so he might have been offered a, a you know, comparatively paltry package by Porto and that was part of it, I don't know. But it does suggest that maybe he's driven, you know, sort of by earning as much as he possibly can in his career. Nothing wrong with that, but, you know, so when you've earned as much as he has already, does he really need to top up his pension pot that much more by seeing out his career in a part of the world where his talent isn't going to be seen or, you know, celebrated or recognised, you know, sort of that much? I don't know. And 
his whole career generally. I mean, it's it peaked with a you know a virtuoso World Cup performance but seven years ago, was it now? You know, that it's a long time ago. And you know, since then his career seems to be in a series of cameos, really. And that's what his career at Everton's been like, you know, a series of like, you know, good quality cameos. And we'll all talk about, you know, sort of the pass at Anfield and the goal against Leicester and the goal at Old Trafford. Uh, but unfortunately, we didn't see them enough uh, to warrant 200 grand a week expenditure, you know, when we are being hampered by financial fair play. And I'm totally supportive of the manager's decision in this, you know, and he actually articulated in his press conference where he said that you've got to look at the bigger picture. And if a player is available for 50% of the time, given our financial restrictions at the moment, that's not what we want. We want something that's going to be available for more, you know, so more frequently and can contribute more often. So whilst we enjoyed those uh, little cameos uh, from James Rodriguez and great to see a player of his quality in the squad, he's not really what we need at the moment. So it's probably the best for all parties concerned. I mean, Hammers has gone and he's getting the money that he wanted, you know, so in a league elsewhere. And we, as Rafa said in his, his conference at lunchtime, now have the ability to bring in other players in January, the kind of players that he wants. He said he spoke to Farhad Mashiri yesterday. He was reassured that, yes, you know, so you can spend money in January. Yes, the club wants to spend money. Uh, and so the exit of Hammers Rodriguez has freed the other Pershings just a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's sad and it's caused a huge furor on social media, especially the fact that he wasn't on the subspench on Tuesday. I don't think he'd have wanted to be on the suspension on Tuesday, to be perfectly honest. So, uh, you know, it's for the good of all parties concerned, really. So, you know, James Rodriguez is, unfortunately, you know, so a chapter that's now closed uh, So on Everton Football Club. Mm. Well, I mean, just to, well, to use a, a much favoured Phil Keck ride phrase and to play <laughs> devil's advocate, Gav, <laughs> I have seen... I have seen the argument bandied about social media that, you know, obviously our squad is already weak enough at this point of the season, as yeah. injuries to key players have shown. Why would we take the decision to weaken ourselves even further before we can strengthen in any way in the January transfer window? What, what's your thoughts well, well, on that? I think he just had answered the question there, is we can't strengthen the squad until we weaken it, until we yeah. get rid of get rid of players, it's as simple as that. And Rodriguez being somebody who's still marketable, I'd be able to a number of small number of clubs perhaps. And it's saying us probably near you may hear more or less face than two hundred grand a week, haven't you, recently, um, is an obvious target, isn't he, to, to move on, given it's his last year of his contract and also as well, I think Denise has said if a player's only available half the games of the season, that just causes a manager of a problem. And and I, I do I do I do get the impression that maybe we said this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? The presence of somebody there who's on big money but not contributing is, can be divisive. Uh, and so it's, just, it's a no brainer, isn't it? Really, that phrase we'll just use it. Uh, you know, it just makes sense for everybody. Uh, there's an interesting story this afternoon that Rodriguez has got something in his buyout clause or whatever with, with this club that. Champions League club comes in for him with 15 million quid or something, he, he can move then. But yeah, to answer your question to, to, to centre, you've got to get other players, and Rodriguez is the obvious one. I mean, there's people asking why aren't other players moving on, you know, and the usual suspects we made of that simple reason that somebody wants to buy Rodriguez, don't they? The, the, the one thing, thing, and this goes back to our, like, you know, the thing we just said about QPR, the weaknesses in our squad, eight. 14 to 25 in the squad. Well, if you carry that argument forward, that means, well, therefore, what are the market values of those players? 
compared to what we bought them for. And that, that's the other, the other concern. It's not only the playing side, but it's also the, the, the financial side in terms of what is their, their value in the, in the current market. But yeah, Rodriguez makes sense for everybody. Uh, I'm not going to repeat what I said on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, uh, but, but suffice to say, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, bursting into tears over his departure. Mm. Well, I mean, Sam, maybe a bit of a difficult question to, to come up against now, but in a couple of years, how do you think Everton fans are going to look at Hannes Rodriguez's time at Everton? It's, it seems like there's almost a bittersweet sort of feeling about it at the minute. Do you think things will, will change in a couple of years? I think it'll be like when you have like one of those really realistic dreams and then like you wake up the next day and for ages you get like midday and you think it's actually happened and then you're like oh yeah that didn't become the prince of france or <laughs> a little insight into my dreams there as well yeah. um it just doesn't it just i've seen a picture of hannes and uh, carlo ancelotti's first press conference the other day and i was just looking at it and it just like i think because of the kind of context it was presented in you know the whole thing of Carlo Ancelotti being manager and James Rodriguez joining Everton on a free transfer and Everton winning at Anfield and all these things have kind of happened in this backdrop of no one actually physically in terms of supporters being there you're one of the lucky people to have ever witnessed that that win but it just seems so surreal and kind of like I was thinking about it last night to me it's a bit annoying that he's kind of I think now that it's done, signed, sealed, delivered, whatever, that I think Rafa probably got it right in the press conference today and, and Dave's kind of echoed it there. We can't we can't afford in our current situation to have a 200 grand a week player playing when he wants. And I do think that Carlo and James ruined it, well, spoiled it for themselves at the end of last season. You know, we were in touching, you know, we had a chance of qualifying for Europe. And I think now looking back, you know, as we discussed on the last podcast, I think now it's a bit of a disgrace, really, that we let our star player just go off on his... Uh, when has that ever happened in the Premier League? You know, it's it's weird. So, I don't know. I think in the future, when you kind of tell your kids about it or whatever, it might just be a weird footnote, mightn't it? Of, we had this Champions League winning manager, this World Cup golden boot winning player. But Carlo, for me... We finished 10th in his full season. He's very not bothered either way about Carlo. I don't like him as a person anymore now that he's in the way he left. I don't respect him for some of the things he said and the, and the way he kind of spun us. I'm very, 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 very lucky that I got to see him live. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed watching him play football. I enjoyed watching him play footy on the telly. He, he, he's got some skill, but I think the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? He's gone to play footy in... Where is it? The United Arab Emirates? Qatar. Qatar. He's going mm. to play footy in Qatar. His, his career is over, isn't it? He's given up on football. He wants to go and he'll get paid handsomely for it, but no one's going to respect. He can go and score 60 goals a season and make 100 assists and no one's going to care about it. So he's finished. He's finished really, isn't he? Unless he comes back in a year or two, but then he's 31, 32. So yeah, I think we'll look back on it just really, really like, did that even happen? And Thanks for the memories. You know, the goal against Leicester was great. The assist against Liverpool was, was the big moment and, and a few other moments of magic. But for me, again, like Carlo, a little bit underwhelming. Mm. I mean, just last thing on James Rodriguez, Preno. Um, I, I don't know about you, but over the last couple of days, I've not really seen loads of 
the other Everton squad reacting to Hamez leaving or saying goodbye or anything like that. We've seen, sure. you know, li- little messages from Richarlison and Yerry Mina, like the obvious yeah. ones that you'd expect. But yeah. there hasn't exactly been an outpouring of messages from the rest of the Everton squad. Do you think that these players will now feel like, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a weight has been lifted off their shoulders now that this narrative isn't hanging over the club constantly? I don't know. I think you get the impression that from you know the, the lack of reaction, that they also you know sort of shared what we've just said about his inability to be available you know sort of more than half of the season. Um, you know, understandable that the South American guys are going to you know sort of miss him. Uh, you know, as part of you know sort of the, the Brazilian or you know sort of South American clique, if you like. And Richarlison gave the little you know sort of sad face emoji, was it, or you know shocked face emoji, whatever it was, uh, at his departure, which you sort of understand. Uh, but no, just I think his his impact throughout the season was so inconsistent that you're not going to get you know so uh, an outpouring of reaction from from his teammates, and um, you hope that doesn't indicate that the squad itself you know so is lacking you know so some kind of togetherness or maybe as what you know so Gav said earlier about the divisiveness of a player on such a huge sum of money not being available all the time, maybe that's why you know so they're not that concerned or not that you know bothered if he's moved on elsewhere. I mean, the team spirit seems to be in good this season. There seems to be in a lot of, you know, sort of togetherness and a lot of, uh, you know, sort of working hard for each other. Tuesday night being the notable exception that hopefully proves the rule. Um, and Hammers hasn't been part of that. So maybe it's just like a, a collective shrug of the shoulders and, you know, so let, let's move on and then move on to the next game without him. Now, speaking about that next game, Gav, Norwich at home. Uh, Rafa Benitez revealed that Jordan Pickford has been training again, which is a positive. Luca Dean yeah. has been training after being taken off in midweek with a little ankle problem, which again is a positive. But Everton will still be without the likes of James Coleman, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert Lewin, Andre Gomez is injured, Jean Philippe Gabamin's injured. You know, there's a lot of key players that Everton are still going to be without, aren't there? So this, is, this isn't going to be an easy game by any stretch, is it? Uh, yeah, not only that, did he mention much of something about the international break? Yeah, uh, he said that those players yeah. won't be available for the international football. It's, you're not going to be seeing them then for the next, what, three weeks, something like that, yeah. perhaps? Um, yeah, but let's face it, you know, we say we should be beating QPR, Goodison against Norwich, you know, we've lost the last... Oh, no, actually, I'm not going to give any stats out last week because it was getting stick don't, over Don't say what you're going to say. Vinicius has never lost at Villa Park. I'm not going to say any stats whatsoever <laughs> other than say that we, you know, let's face it, as games go, having just lost two, I'd be in different circumstances. You couldn't, um, couldn't ask for a, you know, a better opportunity of winning a Premier League game and playing Norwich home, could you really? And even allowing for those absences, uh, you know, we should have well enough in our, in our, you know, our squad to to get a victory. So I'm not the injured players are not really an issue for me this this week, is it? When do we play United? Is that next week? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I hope you're right. Yeah. The manager described them as a nightmare in his press conference. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I was going to mention the Benitez stats to do an odds, but I'm not even going to do that either. So, um, yeah, so um, I'm, I've got to keep Storm. I just, yeah, he's got to get, manage to give platitudes, don't he? And I'm sure um, Norwich will be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come here and I'll try, but, you know, you're going to go see the record this year, haven't you, really? 
and now record. And and, and and Rafa, I think to be fair enough, he, he said that in the press conference, didn't he? That okay, we lost two games, but by and large, over the season, you know, you can see the players are fighting, they are well organised, they are, you know, and and by and large, they got results in the league. So I'm not really worried about the win, uh, injured players in that context, uh, Sam. To be honest with you. Mm. Well, I mean, Sam, like we, we talked earlier in the pod about the attitude and the commitment being wrong against QPR. As I've just mentioned there, they we're still without key players. So a lot of those players who played against QPR are going to be playing against Norwich this weekend. How do they make sure that it's different this time around? Well, they've got to because then they'll have 30,000 30, Evertonians screaming at them and I don't think they'll necessarily want that. So you've got to hope that the crowd factors a bit of a boost. But I think it's a difficult time in a way to play Norwich, isn't it? Because you know, they've lost 15, 16 Prem games in the spin kind of from when they were relegated. So they'll, you know, they, they won't want to have that. And last time we played Norwich at Goodison, I think we all, we, we went into it with the wrong attitude, didn't we? Towards the back end of the silver rain and, and got turned over. So, you know, that this is, as we've been saying in the podcast, I mean, it's not last chance saloon for people in terms of, you know, they'll get bombed from the squad and never play again because the squad's not big enough. People will get more chances, which is slightly detrimental, I think, to, performances maybe if you don't have someone breathing down your neck or you don't think guys don't play you might not get a game for the rest of the season but you know Rafa's not soft he's been around football for a long time and I think again some of the players we've been mentioning not but you know another poor game and he's probably just going to be saying if I can avoid it they're not going to be getting in this team so I think his team selection might say a lot you know will Anthony Gordon get a start for example that that would be a big show of faith but for me I think it's a good game because it's a game we're expected to win it's a game we should win you know with, with 10 times the team not a jar and I think it's time for, for your Wobies and your Gomez and I just want to see them take the game by the scruff of the neck and do things properly and you know get another good good win under our belt at home and I think that could just maybe soften the blow of what was a tough week you know I think everyone took Villa on the chin and kind of accepted that's going to happen you know a mad 11 minutes on another day, you play that game, we might have sneaked that game 1-0. You know, it did kind of feel, you know, you hate getting beat, but it wasn't kind of end-of-the-world stuff. But, you know, the, the the QPR one was a bit of a kick in the teeth and some really poor performance performances made it feel a lot worse. So, it's one of those games that it's tough because I think if we win, you know, we'll all be back saying, all right, let's kick on now. You know, got a good run of... You know, Man United coming up, but a, a decent run of fixtures as well after that you lose people might start uh, getting on the backs a little bit more mm. I mean Brenna we, we've started our, <coughs> I mean, obviously we've won our two home games so far this season but we started them both by playing pretty poorly for at least the first half the first hour against Burnley going behind in both of those games and having to fight back from going a goal down Everton can't really afford to be going to call down against Norwich, can they? Because, you know, as as the lads have mentioned, it, there's a significant amount of pressure on this game still with uh, those two defeats just on the horizon. But that's been the biggest worry this season, the inability to start games well. I know we have on a couple of occasions, but, you know, it's been happening far too frequently where we've conceded uh, the goal first and that automatically, you know, sort of gives you a little bit of a mountain to climb. I mean... The, the earlier games, I mean, like Southampton, Burnley, the reaction was good 
from the crowd and from the um, you know sort of players. I know there was like a handful of muted boos at half time against Southampton, but you know they were pretty much in isolation, and there was like you know a little bit of togetherness really. But in light of like that mad few minutes that you mentioned against Aston Villa, in light of how poor the performance was on Tuesday against QPR. If we go a goal behind against Norwich, you're not that confident the crowd reaction is going to be anywhere near as positive this time. Or, you know, the players, you know, sort of reaction. I mean, where I'm a little bit reassured at this, and, you know, Norwich do have the capability of, of causing upsets, of course they do. But as we said, our first choice starting 11 is, is pretty solid. You know, it's like a, it's probably a top eight, you know, sort of starting 11. And so, you know, whilst Gomez is unavailable, Gabamon's unavailable, you know, so Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are still out. They, they are big worries and problems. I mean, Abdullah Dekori and Alan are so important, you know, so I've got to wrap them in Cottonwood and keep them fit and available, uh, which is why it was a concern to Corey coming on for as long as he did on Tuesday. But, you know, fortunately got through it. You know, Alan has had hamstring problems in the past, so, you know, you worry about him. But as long as those two are there and available, as long as Townsend and Gray, you know, sort of there and available, which they are, Rondon, as again the manager said, you know, hasn't trained properly for four months. You know, he's still trying to work his way back up to full fitness. But, you know, he's there, he's willing, he's available. So, you know, you, you think that, you know, that should be enough quality uh, to see us through, you know, in a game against a side who's struggling as badly as Norwich, provided we can defend better. I mean, I know we haven't mentioned him in this podcast, but Ben Godfrey is the one that worries me a little bit at the moment because he was like so good last season. I know he's had COVID, you know, so in the summer and that can weaken you. And you worry that, you know, so is there still ongoing, you know, so after effects from that? Because he's not looked really, you know, so the player that we saw last season in the couple of occasions that we've seen him so far, which again, you know, so points, you know, some question marks and problems about the defending. But, you know, if we can start the game well and, you know, so not concede first, uh, you know, so we should have plenty, you know, so plenty of quality able to see us through in a game against a team that, as you quite rightly say, Sam, has lost 15 consecutive Premier League games in a row. So, yeah, it's 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 must win for lots of reasons, you know, so and largely to just try and get the support base back, you know, so on side again. Rafa said in his press conference, you know, so how positive the performances have been in the Premier League this season. He's absolutely right, you know, so they have been apart from that, you know, Mad purple patch against Aston Villa, but you know momentum can go against you very very quickly in the Premier League, and you know so if we do start badly, we do go a goal down. You worry about the reaction, so it's vital we start well, vital we get about them, and quite important that we score first. Well, you called it a must win there, Preno. I'll stick with you as we move on to predictions. What score will Everton win there? <laughs> oh god, we're all hopeless, aren't we? These predictions, you know, having made a bright start to the season with them, I've had a bit of a bit of a rocky run. Um, it, it's going to be relatively open because you know Norwich play that kind of way. I'm not I'm not confident of us keeping a clean sheet. Pickford back, I'm pleased to see that. You know, so even though Begovic has done nothing wrong, but you know, so big big fan of Pickford's. Um, but I still think we've got the potential to maybe ship one. But hopefully that will be when we're a couple of goals to the good already. So I'm going to go for a three-one home win. Okay, Gav. I was tempted to be even more ambitious, but no, let's stick with three-one. <laughs> I'll let Sam do go for the mad blind optimism. <laughs> I, I was going to, I was going to just, just for the record for listeners, it was Penna who mentioned Norwich have lost the last fifteen Premier League games, not me. <laughs> uh, after yeah. after <laughs> last week, which you know I ended up getting a bit of stick on. I think I think if I stand mentioning it first, let's you know, so put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I it's gonna two 0 eleven. It's got to be it's yeah. gotta be a win, hasn't it? 
Yeah, you've got to predict the win. 2 0 for the Mighty Blues. I'll take that, Sam. I think they'll score. Got a feeling they'll score first and put the put the uh, the boogies up us. But I think we'll <laughs> I think we'll come back and uh, I think we'll sneak a two one. Abfly the corner. He's going to score as well. Yeah, I over there first. Wow. I think it's going to be two one as well. To be fair, I think we'll actually go two nil up and it's <laughs> they'll peg us back. Like Timu Puki will score a mad penalty or something in the last ten minutes and it'll make it. Proper nervy ten minutes or so for both me and Chris Beasley, who are going to be sat. I fancy Rondon. Fancy Rondon to get his first ever goal there Rondon. as well. When this bet comes in tomorrow, I'm going to be absolutely fuming. Two, two, one, oh. two, one. Rondon and Decore. Who's going to score first? I reckon Decore. Decore first. Dukes of Hazard. But you've got to, you're going to have to put that bet on now. Yeah, well. <laughs> and when I win, I'll just be fanning myself with my money. <laughs> As I say, it's going to be me and Chris Beasley in place at Goodson Park to watch what will hopefully be a win for Everton in what Preno has described as a must-win game. I'm going to keep going to keep mentioning that, Preno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be back at the start of next week to review that match and a bit later on next week to look ahead to a game against Manchester United as well. Don't forget, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcast from. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well to join in the conversation there. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.